0: Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we recap another Orioles loss. It is six in a row that the O's have lost. Things have certainly taken a turn after the O's started off May red hot, winning three out of four series. Not the case anymore. They fall 3-2 to to the Yankees on Wednesday night. I'll get to the five things you need to know from that loss. Then, we are joined by John Mioli, the author of Maximizing Playoff Odds, the fantastic newsletter that John does covering the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, he used to cover the O's for the Baltimore Sun. And John is back on this podcast to talk a bit about what it's been like to shift over to the newsletter we talk about his trip to Bowie on Tuesday night seeing Gunnar Henderson hit two home runs and what he's seen from Gunnar all season a little bit about some of the other guys he saw in Bowie on Tuesday and then some general chat about the Orioles minor leagues and his thoughts on the entire Adley Rutschman promotion situation but that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So we start today with a look back at another Orioles loss. But before we do that, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available here on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to leave a rating and a review, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another one. It really helps us out. And of course, the podcast here on YouTube as well. Like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. It really helps us and wouldn't be here without you, the listeners. So thank you again for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we start with an Orioles loss. They fall three to two, to the New York Yankees at Camden Yards on Wednesday night. It's the sixth consecutive loss for the Orioles as they now drop to 14-24 and 24 on the season. First time they have been 10 games under 500 on the year, and they have now officially lost the series, lost the first three of four against the Yankees in this four-game set. Now, I'll get to the five things that you need to know from this Orioles loss to the Yankees. And the first thing you need to know, Jordan Lyles was on his game and probably just had his best start in an Oriole uniform. Lyles, on the day, goes seven innings, allowing just three runs. Only two of them earned on five hits. He strikes out eight. He did not walk anyone, and he threw 106 pitches. Lyles now has a 4.11 ERA on the season in an Orioles uniform. Now, he did give up seven hard-hit balls, and the first inning was not good by any stretch. But that first inning is when he gave up all three runs, to this Yankee lineup. And frankly, it really could have been just one run. If he makes some better pitches, it could have been zero runs. He starts the game by retiring Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge. He's got nobody on and two outs in the first inning. And then Rizzo with a bloop single. Donaldson shoots one through the right side. Glaber Torres rocks an RBI double into right center field to make it one nothing, And then second and third with two outs. And Lyles bounces a pitch. it gets away from Ben Boom. If Lyles got to home plate a little bit quicker, there could have been a play at the plate. But then Ben Boom's flip gets away from Lyles, gets past Tyler Nevin. Disastrous play on a wild pitch that allows two runs to score. The second one, of course, being unearned on the error by the catcher, Ben Boom, to make it 3-0. And you're thinking, oh boy, things are going downhill. But he kind of pulls himself together a little bit, strikes out Joey Gallo to end the inning. And then just rolls through the next six innings scoreless. It was really, really impressive what Jordan Lyles did in this one, and you know, really the the eight strikeouts were were some of the most impressive thing that he did, but. I mean, just to roll through this Yankee order, I mean, we've seen him do it before in that first series between the Orioles and the Yankees at Camden Yards. Jordan Lyles gave up, you know, a little bit early and then just kind of rolled through the Yankee lineup. He retired 13 in a row and 17 of the last 18 batters that he faced in this game. And for Jordan Lyles, I mean, across the board, his best start is an Oriole. How about 13 whiffs for Lyles on 106 pitches and 46 swings? That is his top whiffs number of the season. And that most whiffed pitch was his fastball. His two different fastballs, the sinker and the four-seamer, combined for 11 of his 13 whiffs. He got seven of them on the sinker. He got four on the four-seamer. The Yankees just had no idea what to do with his fastball today. The velo was a little bit up. He averaged 91.5, usually averages just a tick under 91, so that was a good sign. And he just went to work, seven whiffs on the sinker, again, four on the four-seamer. He threw 31 sinkers, 25 four-seamers, and then it was 26 sliders, 16 changeups, and eight curveballs. And, you know, he got one whiff on the slider, he got one whiff on the curveball. But those pitches really weren't there today. The curveball was solid, but, I mean, that was the best Jordan Lyles fastball combo we have ever seen. And he just attacked Yankees hitters with that fastball in the zone, he was at a 48% CSW. That was called strike and whiff percentage with both of those pitches, the sinker and the four-seam fastball. I mean, seven whiffs on that sinker is just an unbelievable number from Jordan Lyles. Listen, you give a guy one-year $7 million, a guy who's at a career five ERA, you know, gave up the most home runs in baseball last year in Texas. Basically, what you're looking for is give you 180 innings. Well, Lyles is on pace to give the Orioles something close to that. But what he's also doing is is pitching better than he has over the last couple of years and pitching better than he did in a Texas uniform. And I still don't think this means Jordan Lyles is a a guy who they're going to re-sign and give some big money. But I do think he could be pitching well enough to maybe trade at this deadline. And at the very least, he's going to give the Orioles good innings and hopefully stay healthy and pitch close to that 180 inning mark throughout this 2022 season. And he's been a big help, certainly, to the Orioles' rotation. But the second thing you need to know from this one is that the Oriole bullpen came in behind Lyles and they did their job as well. First of all, it was a big bounce back outing for Felix Bautista after he gave up two solo home runs in the ninth inning on Monday, came right back out there and did allow a uh, leadoff double to Jose Trevino, but was able to strike out Aaron Hicks, got Aaron Judge to ground out, and then left the game. And CNL Perez came in and did his job, strikes out Anthony Rizzo with a runner in scoring position to end this eighth inning and keep it. At a 3-2 game, and then in came Jorge Lopez, and yeah, his stuff wasn't at his best, and he did walk a batter with two outs. But Lopez puts up a zero in the top of the ninth to keep it at 3-2, and the bullpen just frankly did in with th- three different pitchers and did its job, and that's really all you can ask from the Oriole bullpen at this point. And and again for Lopez, you know he didn't get any whiffs on the six swings, but you know he he had enough stuff to to get some grounders and and get out of that ninth inning. Third thing you need to know from this one is that Austin Hayes, it, it seems as if that hand injury, that laceration did not slow him down one bit. Second game back in the lineup for Austin Hayes, and he just puts up another three hit day. Hayes three for four on the night with two doubles and an RBI and a run scored up to 296 on the average, 820 on the OPS for Hayes who had two hit hard hit balls, I should say, on the evening, he beat out an infield single in the eighth inning, had a big RBI double in the sixth inning, and uh, you know, just uh, keeping things going, and, and was able to score on a Mancini grounder for that second run in the sixth inning as well, using the speed. Man, he's been fun to watch this year, and, and we're getting closer and closer for Austin Hayes to a point where it almost feels like the 2022 for Hayes is looking a lot like the 2021 for Mullins. And, man, would that be awesome for the Orioles if they could continue to get that from Hayes. I mean, he scorched that double in the sixth inning, 108 miles per hour off the bat. He's hitting the ball hard. He's using his speed to get on base. I mean, it is just... Frankly, it's just fun to watch Austin Hayes hit the ball right now. That first double was 100 miles per hour off the bat back in the first inning. Just really good stuff from Austin Hayes at the dish. But the fourth thing you need to know is that... uh, well, the rest of the Oriole offense didn't quite get it done against Garrett Cole and Clay Holmes in this one. Yankees only used two pitchers. Cole gave up two runs over seven, and then Holmes pitched the final two-inning scoreless to close out a 3-2 Yankee victory. And in the Orioles' two runs on seven hits is just not going to cut it. You know, Hayes had the three hits. Other than that, Mullins, Mancini, Odor, and Nevin each had one hit of their own. But Hayes had the only two extra base hits with his two doubles on the night, the Orioles did not draw a walk, and despite the fact that their strikeouts were down in this game, you know they only struck out six times. They didn't draw a walk. They only had the two extra base hits, and that's why you know, despite out hitting the Yankees seven to six, they only scored two runs and they lost the game. You got to feel like somebody's got to start stepping up to to help Austin Hayes at this point, but. The fifth and final thing that you need to know from the Orioles 3-2 loss to the Yankees is that despite, you know, only the two runs and the seven hits, the Orioles did really scorch the ball at times in this game. They had nine hard hit balls in seven innings against Cole, and they had three hard hit balls in the two innings against Clay Holmes. I mean, even in the eighth inning, you know, Austin Hayes gets the one out infield single. Anthony Santander, who ended up 0-4 for 4 with a strikeout, scorches a ball down towards right field, but right to Anthony Rizzo, who catches it and steps on the bag for a double play to end the eighth. If he hits that ball just a foot or two to either side, that's a double into the corner, and at worst, it's second, third, and one out, and maybe Hayes scores from first to tie the game. So just, you know, the O's got a little bit unlucky. And in terms of, of hard-hit balls on the night, I mean, the Orioles were hitting the ball hard. They had 12 hard-hit balls Again, on the night, Mullins, Hayes, Arias, and Nevin each had two. And everybody in the lineup hit at least one ball hard, except for Anthony Benboom, who was 0-3 for and is now hitting 118. But everybody else, 1-8, through had at least one hard-hit ball. You know, the Orioles had an expected batting average of 261 on the night from those balls that they hit hard. I mean, Ramon Arias in the ninth inning had a 102-mile-per-hour groundout. You know, that was certainly unlucky. Tyler Nevin had a ground out over 100 miles an hour. Trey Mancini, when he hit into that fielder's choice that scored a run in the sixth inning, 104 off the bat. I mean, you've got the O's hitting these balls hard, and, you know, Ramon Arias, first inning, lines out to right field with runners on first and third and two down, 102 off the bat. You know, Mullins lined out at 96 off the bat in that first inning. Just... Some unluckiness, Mateo in the second inning had a lineout that was 101 off the bat. I mean, they hit the ball hard in this game, just weren't rewarded. But hopefully, that can help them turn the corner, maybe come back and win this uh, Thursday matinee against the Yankees and snap the six-game losing streak. But you know, things aren't going very well at the major league level right now for the Orioles. Again, six losses in a row. But at the minor league level, things have been very, very fun. Adley Rutschman has now homered in back-to-back nights. Gunner Henderson is homered in back-to-back nights. Grayson Rodriguez was unbelievable in his start on Tuesday. There's a lot of good things going on. Colton Kowser, homered on Wednesday. I know his start's been a little slow here in 2022, but he was able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And it's been really fun, and especially in A, where Gunnar Henderson specifically has been great. And coming up next, we're going to be joined by John Mioli who writes for his newsletter, Maximizing Playoff Odds, covering the Orioles. Of course, John has been on this podcast multiple times before, used to cover the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. And he's going to join us to talk about the Orioles' success in the minor league system, what he saw in Bowie Tuesday night when he was there, including the big day from Gunnar Henderson, how Henderson is developing in the Orioles' system. We'll talk about some other guys on the Bowie roster who stand out. And we'll talk a little bit about Adley Rutschman and John's feelings on how the Orioles are handling his hopefully impending call-up to the majors. So that's all coming up next. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know, these bars, they've got 17 grams of protein, just over 200 calories, low in carbs, low in sugars, but high in delicious taste. All these bars covered in 100% real chocolate, great flavors like peanut butter, brownie, mint chocolate. You really get it all. But the bars that they have, they're great, but they're not the only product over at Built.com, you can also get the Built Puffs. They are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. If you got a marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, infused with protein, a great, healthy, delicious snack for you to have on the run as well. Those Built Puffs, they are the real deal. Built just continues to put out some amazing products. And if you want to get your hands on these products, head over to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So we welcome in John Mioli back to the podcast. Of course, he is the author of Maximizing Playoff Odds and Orioles Newsletter, which you should all be subscribing to to continue to read John's work. Of course, he used to cover the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. He's been on this podcast a few times before, but uh, first time since we've been on YouTube. And first of all, John, welcome back to the pod. Thank you. It's good to see you. Good to be seen. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we we have you on obviously for the first time here since you've uh, started on this new venture in covering the Orioles. So I guess first open-ended question is how you enjoying covering the team while not, you know, being with a, a separate outlet and kind of doing your own thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been really cool. Um, you know, I I really enjoyed being the Orioles beat writer for the Sun. It was, it it was a great job when you know when I became job and I feel like the way that they allowed you know and I and before that Eddie and Cena and I to shape the beat into a really cool you know modern newspaper beat was awesome um you know we have a we have an 18-month-old daughter though I couldn't really go back on the road the way that was going to be required this year I bought a couple years of COVID but um but it was time to make a life change but I really you know I felt pretty strongly that I wanted to be a part of what was happening and, and be able to tell the stories that I, you know, enjoyed telling the most. So that's basically what I've been doing. I feel a little disconnected from the big league team. I'm not going to lie. I've only been out to Camden Yards a couple times this year. I have a couple of days carved out in the week where I could go and, and you know, go see a baseball game. So I have to kind of choose my spots, whether I want to be in Bowie or Baltimore or Aberdeen or Baltimore. Um, so I'm a little disconnected from the big league team. Um, but I feel like the flip side of that is that I have, you know, taking the reins off and I'm not wondering, Oh, who's going to read this story. You know, I I'm supposed to be writing about the big league team. I don't, why would I write about, you know, X minor leaguer that people might not care about now. I don't really have that. I just kind of write all the stories that I, you know, want to tell. And, and the response has been fantastic. I, I I'm blown away. Um, by how many people have been following along. And I hope that uh, I hope that those who have subscribed to the paid tier are, are feeling like it's worth it.
0: Yeah. And, and, and it gives you the freedom to write what you want to write about and And, you know, you know, People who are paying for this are waiting for whatever you're going to give them, and they are going to read it. And you know, we have you on because I know you were in Bowie on Tuesday night, and uh, you know, it just so happens you got to see Gunnar Henderson go yeah. twice. So I want to just start with what you saw in front of you. You know, he he jumped the average over 300 and the OPS over a thousand with that game on Tuesday night. He's the youngest player on the field. Pretty much every time he goes out there, like. At what point, you know, do you think Gunnar Henderson is, you know, really on his progression right now? Because he's hitting well in double A and, you know, the murmurs of when's he going to triple A, I think, have already started.
1: Yeah, they, they definitely have. Um, it's it's really impressive. You know, I know the Orioles from, from the time they got him at the all-site um, in, in 2020 and really started putting their hands around what this, what this, you know, young player was. They were really impressed just by his, like, aptitude work ethic and the way that he is able to observe whatever challenges are being thrown at him okay here's how I overcome that I think some of that is just raw talent I mean he's just you know he's a very talented young man Um, I think a lot of that too is just like his competitiveness there are people in the world who not be beaten and who will not allow themselves to lose whether it's you know, yesterday, I didn't put this in the story because it was kind of like a scattershot story, and I just had to fit a million things into it because there's so many different factors in, in why he's, you know, kind of taking this leap that he has this year. But him and Tim DeJohn, the fundamentals coach, there was a wheelbarrow out by the foul pole in right field. Um, I'm pointing towards right field in the house. <laughs> and, um, and there's a wheelbarrow out there, and they were going to have a competition of who could get the, like, throw a ball, into, like one shot each, like one, he'll gunner through it, and Tim DeJohn had the fun go. And they were going to try to like – they were spending like a lot of time like setting up what the rules and the contest was and what we're going to do. And this is somebody who is really competitive about anything. He's competitive with himself. He's competitive with those around him. So it's been fascinating to see over the course of the last year from when he got to Del Mar and dominated and then went to Aberdeen and struggled and got to the playoff taste in Bowie now and again just how he has internalized the things that have happened to him, how he's pitched, how he's performed how he's felt about how he's performed and just use that to say, OK, what do I need to do better? Um, he went home and realized he was struggling with high fastballs. So he just hit against, you know, a pitching machine with rise all all winter. He he um, he wanted to feel a little more comfortable in the box. So he changed. He used to be so st- he used to just literally stand dead still until, you know, he decided to swing and that's that worked. You know, he did well with it to an extent, but but now he has a little rhythm in his he just he's he's always trying to find ways to to improve what he needs to improve on which is a very basic thing to say but i think that the level with which it works for him is really really impressive and that probably has something to do with the fact that he's so young you know this, this is a growth period of somebody's life when you're 20 years old and, and you're applying yourself something every day you're going to learn a lot and you're going to learn quickly so a long answer is, is that he is like i think that there is definitely like an upswing happening with him i wouldn't say you know you know, book his ticket to Norfolk next week because you know once you play well in Norfolk, they really don't have any choice but to you know call you up to the big leagues or so we think. So, so I think it'll be a little more deliberate, but I, but there's something really interesting happening there.
0: Yeah, and he continues this kind of small trend where you know I think everyone who has seen the Orioles first round picks under Mike Elias saying, oh, you know he's going college bats no matter what, and he's only picking college players the Orioles have picked and chosen their spots in terms of drafting high school guys, and it has really worked out. I mean, obviously it worked out for Dan Duquette getting Deal Hall and Grayson Rodriguez out of high school, mm-hmm. but to get Gunnar Henderson and to get Kobe Mayo, obviously, and, and you know, we're finally seeing Carter Baumler get back on the field and he's pitching in the FCL. Yeah, they're not taking a lot of high school guys, but you know, when they go after a Creed Willems, a Gunnar Henderson, a Kobe Mayo, it seems to work out and it seems like you know at least in that part of the process they are really good at identifying the right high school fit for them and, and Henderson seemed to be a guy who was certainly a top end of the first round talent and they were able to get him you know in that uh in that second round I think or that competitive balance around at the end of the first
1: yeah yeah he so he fell to them and and I was doing a story on Dave, David Jennings the scout who who is that he's the Alabama like you know south I, I guess you call it the it's not really like florida or georgia but like all the rest of the south basically from that area where Gunnar henderson was was coming up and i asked johnner when i was doing the story if he had any you know experience with him like any funny stories to tell and he basically said he like filled out a questionnaire for him and and that was it the orioles kind of just had this player fall into their lap and you know i think that there's a lot of i think there's a lot of reasons why they took him it's not like they were like oh this guy's famous and he should have gone 20 picks ago let's take him it's not like uh you know they've done that before too and uh and it hasn't worked out in other uh, in other iterations of the draft. But but this player, you know, this player came to them. I think that you're exactly right. Something I've been thinking about a lot as this draft is coming up with like, oh, the girls are have such a reputation for taking these college bats and you know it's you know, quick to the and and more reliable data and you have more sample size to project out from. But even add, you know, Daryl Hernes to this list, there haven't really been a ton of there haven't really been I guess you could say any misses on like the high school draftees that they've signed. And, and that is really, I think going to be a factor as they're making their, their choices. There's a lot of things that go into this. You know, we talk about her I believe Gunnar Henderson as well was pretty young for his draft class. Um, so I think there's, there's an aspect of that when you're talking about high school draftees where if they have, if they're, you know, a young 18, you're getting, basically a full extra year of that development time in those peak development years that I was talking about the Gunnar Henderson. So I think there's something to that. But you're absolutely right. This is not, you know, I think they've done, they generally just know what they're looking for in hitters. Um, and I think it might be harder to believe what you're seeing when you're talking about a high school kid who has XM showcase, you know, data and batted ball data and everything like that. But but they're picking their spots with it. And and I think it's it's been really effective.
0: Yeah, I think you know the Gunnar Henderson success so far, and a guy like Kobe Mayo shows you that the Orioles just aren't going to, you know, definitely take a, a Brooks Lee with the first pick I, I, here in a couple months. Like Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, you know, Drew Jones, they are all certainly uh, in play for the Orioles. But we'll get back to chatting those minor leagues with John Mioli in just a second. But first, I gotta tell you about BetOnline.ag. That's the one-stop shop for all of your sports wagering needs, and BetOnline. <laughs> That's where you can go to get all the odds for all the games, not just Major League Baseball, but of course the NBA playoffs into the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, and the NHL playoffs into the second round as well, getting going. WNBA season starting up here as well, and a whole lot of golf, including a major this weekend, and you can get all the odds at betonline.net. But you can also log on and, and check the score to keep up with your bets. You can check out news, injury news as well to make you the smartest gambler, and you can also listen to podcasts. Just like this one. So head over to betonline.net where the game starts. So we're here with John Mioli, writer of his newsletter, Maximizing Playoff Odds, covering the Orioles at the major, and a lot at the minor league level. And he was in Bowie on Tuesday night. We talked about Gunnar Henderson, but wanted to just get, you know, a couple thoughts on, you know, anything else you really saw in Bowie Tuesday night. I know in terms of the pitchers, you know, you got to see Ryan Watson, who wasn't. At his best, but he's been really good at times this year. Easton Lucas, who you know came over in the Jonathan VR trade a couple of years ago, and then an older right-hander in, in Shelton Perkins. Did any of those three guys you saw pitch really catch your eye? I know people have have been kind of you know looking at Watson a little closer this year after being an undrafted free agent.
1: Yes, yeah. So I was actually, I guess it was two uh, two weeks ago. uh I, I was at an earlier Ryan Watson start. I had to leave the game early. Um, but in the game ended up getting delayed. I think there was some stuff going on there um, that made it so that they couldn't start the game right away. And um, I saw a little there and and it was similar to this one where it was just, you know, a lot of batted balls, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, 50 50 could have been an out, could have been a hip. He has a good pitch mix. Um, I, I was asking someone about him before that game and, and they mentioned that, you know, the, the Orioles had let him go back to a more natural arm slot something that felt a little more comfortable to him and he ticked up you know pretty significantly he was like an 89-91 you know guy in 2021 and coming off of you know a COVID year and being a senior sign like that's that's probably to be expected I think they were expecting a lot of guys to have that back up but this year he was averaging 90 and some of that was out of the pen it was like longer release it was sitting like 92-94 yesterday so I think that's something that's interesting but but there might be more of a few there if he's able to just go out there and 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 air it out for an inning or two something shorter um but he was definitely someone that you know i I was interested to see and i'm still you know interested to follow when i was talking to some of the scouts that i know who who had seen him earlier before the the looks that i got there you know one of them just straight up said he's a beast and this guy is not somebody who you know throws throws compliments like that around around um you know lightly so so it was definitely interesting to see to see him um that pitching staff obviously has been pretty pretty they're they're not healthy at the moment, and I and I think that and I think that that's changed a lot of you know that team's complexion how they have to go about games on a daily basis, but but I think that um, but I think that him being in the rotation and, and some of the guys being stretched as they are is kind of a symptom of that.
0: And then you know, looking at that that Bowie lineup, obviously we talked about Gunnar Henderson. He hits two home runs in that game Tuesday night. You've got the Jordan Westbergs. You've got the the Shane Fontanos who's red hot right now and, and kind of, you know, maybe not a prospect, but you know, one of these guys who's trying to get himself to prospect status, trying to become 2022 Pat Dorian, basically with his early season, anybody, you know, you know, you're only seeing three plate appearances, four plate appearances, but I know you've been to a couple of games and anybody stick out in that buoy lineup besides obviously Henderson, who's, who's been the star there all year so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Jordan Westberg is starting to come around a little bit. I think he had a little bit of a slow stretch earlier in the season. Um, um, I, I think that the same goes for, for Joey Ortiz. He was coming off the shoulder surgery last year. He was obviously one of the breakout prospects and somebody the Orioles were really excited about uh, after the 2020 shutdown. I think you're starting to see a little better contact from him, a little obviously fantastic defense at second and short. There's no denying that. Um, and, and those are two of the players that really stuck, stuck out to me. It's 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 an interesting team because, you know, this where the guys who would be in double a right now you know yeah you have some of the 2020 draftees who have who've kind of shot up there quickly but the 2019 draftees that the orioles took the guys who might have been on like there weren't really any like a ton of other than Gunnar henderson and i guess Hernandez. There's a ton of like high school like slower development types like a lot of the top picks like they are they have already gone past that level where you would think like this would be some if they were going slowly with players they would be at Bowie, so it's a little bit of an uneven mix of, of talent, and I think that some of the, I think some of the health health issues that have, that have been happening down there have made it an uneven roster. But I think it's a really interesting team, and um, obviously, when you have somebody like Gunnar Henderson, I, and I didn't mention Hudson, Hudson Haskin, um, somebody who's had a fantastic season, that I think is, he, he's just a really interesting, like talent for lack of a better word. Uh, he he does a lot of things well, and I think that that's the type of player the Orioles have never really had a ton of success with. That like tooled out center fielder like, who they like hope for the more. Uh, Cedric Mullins was a little more developed when he was drafted. Um, you know, same goes for someone like Austin Hayes, even though he's more of a corner guy who can play center. I think that the Hudson Haskins type, the Orioles constantly try to take chances on those those kind of guys the younger guys the guys who are like all right if if x y and z happens this is going to be really good and, and i think that this is and they, there are some early signs that they're having success with that
0: yeah they, they did it again uh, with reed trimble as well who obviously has been out for most of the season but he's uh he's back in the lineup in the fcl trying to get his way back just a tooled up younger outfielder who can play all three positions and they're excited about and and hopefully you know one of these guys can hit and they can add him to the. Uh, the great slew of outfielders they've got in the system. But John, while I have you here, last thing, you know, this is obviously the word of the week in Birdland is when are we going to see Adley Rutchman? And I know you don't have somebody in your ear telling you exactly when we're going to, but I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about, you know, where the Orioles are at with Rutchman now, because he's clearly, he's done with rehab. I mean, he's back to triple a, he's back to the level he was at and he seems to be healthy. And, you know, he homered on Tuesday night in norfolk and orioles fans are hoping that that maybe friday is the day that he comes up but i was wondering if you had just any thoughts on how you know the o's are handling it now that he seems to be fully healthy and is still in triple a norfolk
1: yeah i mean they, they might have made they might have made a terrible mistake by even suggesting that he needed to uh you know do something performance wise to to get himself to the leagues because i i, I feel like adley rushman's the type of who would be like all right you, you need me to hit like I could hit you you told me to be patient for three years and I've been patient. Now you need me to hit. All right, I'll hit. Um but but I think that it's it's just really tough. It's really a tough not development. I don't even, it's it's just kind of unfortunate that like something that is going to be a transformative moment for this franchise and for the fan base and for the major league team and the farm system, all these guys who have been, you know, had this guy Adley Rush, even though he's their peer and he's their friend, help. As a paragon of pretty much everything that they want to do, whether it's how to go at bats, how to control the strike zone, how to go about your business every day. Just watch him and see how he goes about his business. And they know that because of the he has, that's what they should be doing. Um, they know they Rushman is that's what they should be doing. This is a big moment for everybody, and does it really matter over the course of you know a rebuild that's gone on for three, four, for many years. And a team that hopes to be successful um, through what they've done over those last couple of years, decade, maybe. Does two, three, four this does matter? Does a week matter? Not really. But why does it have to be such a – why does it have to be this thing? Why does it have to be people screaming on the radio and like and like tis-tis for saying he's not ready yet or, or saying – you know, tis-tis in the Orioles for saying that – he should be up by now it's, it's just it's just really like why this why is there's so many things that that warrant that when it comes to the orioles and their rebuild and there are so many things that have deservedly you know become these you know flash for whatever you think about the orioles and what they're doing and some of them are legitimate and some of them are completely legitimate and this one's just unnecessary like this doesn't need to be like this this is whenever it happens it's going to be a it's going to be like a transformative day. Like I said, so why, why does it have to be that there's all this, like, why does it have to be that there's a discourse about it, you know? And, and that's not to say that shouldn't happen. Like, this is all anybody could think about. Um, you know, the team was playing well. People had that date circled on the calendar. All of a sudden a couple guys get hurt. Team, stop, you know, team stops hitting and there's no Adley Rutschman and everyone's kind of like, what the heck? And that's silly. Like nobody from the Orioles like told people to buy tickets from Monday. like, but that's what common sense dictated. And it's just not what happened. And whether that's the right or wrong thing is not really for me to say. I just don't understand. I just don't understand what is being gained and whether it's worth it to have this be the energy and the atmosphere around Adley Rutschman's potential major league debut.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to end up being unfortunate that, You know, if it does come Friday, if it does come on the road, if it does come next homestand, whatever it may be, then it's almost going to be like a finally slash relief feeling as much as it will be a let's rejoice, go to the ballpark, like he's here feeling. And again, it it was a made up date by a lot of people Monday night, like that was never hinted at. It was more of a people doing some mental math and feeling like that was the date. But that's where we are, and, and hopefully we do get to see him this week. But, John, thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, before you go, let everybody know uh, where they can check out your writing and how they can subscribe to the newsletter.
1: Yeah, so I'm putting everything out on Twitter, obviously, still. I'm uh, trying not to tweet as much as as, as I used to. <laughs> it's going pretty well. And uh, you can also subscribe at johnmioli.substack.com. There's one free article every week, um, for everybody, and there's a paid tier. We're doing two or three on top of that. Um, it's going to be a big week. Um, not only for hopefully what we just talked about, but, uh, you know, in terms of all the affiliates, being home and, and being able to go and pick up some stories, you know, everywhere and get myself going. Again, it, It's going to be uh, I'm excited. I think there's going to be some cool stories coming out of this.
0: Well, thanks, John, so much for joining us. And uh, I know the great writing will continue over at the newsletter that is over at Substack and you can uh, subscribe to that and uh, support John's work as he continues to cover the Orioles. So that has been John Mioli of Maximizing Playoff Odds, the newsletter covering the O's. We'll be back with another episode on Friday. Hopefully, we'll be talking about Adley Rutschman's impending debut, but we will see. But this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.